0: Hello there and welcome to Falterigo, episode 2. Now in this episode we're going to be talking about the news. Um, in episode 1 we were talking about satire um, and so the news seems like a sort of a next logical step and it was for me it was sort of a, another one of those oh dear sort of moments. Um, but we started with satire in episode 1 and yes satire has obviously quite a close relationship with the news which uh, as we'll discover as we go on uh, might not necessarily be a good thing. Um before we get fully into um, how the news affects or increases the amount of ego in the world, um, or does its work on yours, I think it's it, it's it might be fun just to just to to step back for a moment before we get into everything, and just just talk about the news as a concept at, at all. If you actually step back and and and, and look at it from I guess the perspective of like a a detached alien who's never come across these things before, or if you imagine history was wiped and we had to start all over again. um, And you you ask yourself, would you reintroduce uh, the news as a, as a concept to a society that's never uh, experienced it before? Um, I think, I think the answer would be no. You know, I mean, if, if you had to pitch it for the first time, And you just, you went up to, you know, some random village or something said, yeah, look, do you you want us to put a box in your living room um, through which um, every night we beam images of the worst things that are happening around the world? These things don't affect you. Um, These events don't affect you at all. But We just thought you'd like to know about all the worst things happening everywhere um, all the time or at least once a day. Because when you put it like that, it it suddenly seems bafflingly absurd that we've sort of welcomed this, this, this awful, like psychic um, vortex (laughs) into our lives. Um, And I think, because the world is predominantly covered in vast amounts of absolutely nothing happening. Um... The, the world is a very boring place um, and generally speaking people are extremely kind to each other we're all very good people and you know the the bad the, the tragedies and the crises that are happening around the world i suppose are newsworthy in one by one definition because they are the exception um, but at the same time that's that's still a very distorted presentation of reality i mean it's called the news and if it was if the news was in any way sort of proportionately reporting what's going on in the world it it would i mean ideally the news would be just 24 hour rolling coverage of the most boring information imaginable um and the negative aspect of things would take about zero point zero one percent of the broadcast i mean it's not hard to conceptualize uh or you know imagine a version of the news that's just some person sitting maybe behind a desk i mean even the desk is quite confronting it's very formal it's like you are in your living room in the middle of a job interview <laughs> it's, oh there's a man behind a desk with shuffling papers at me shit but it's not hard to imagine that the news could just be you know someone sitting there Going, hi, look, well done, everyone, again, for another brilliant day on earth. Uh, there were multiple acts of kindness that we couldn't possibly count. Um, we cross now to Jennifer Swanson, who's outside a house in Gloucestershire, where once again parents have comforted one of their children. Jennifer, you know, it's just, it. Why not? we're drawn to the negative i mean we're drawn to and we'll talk about this more as we go on but we, we you know we're drawn to the spectacle and um generally speaking because we're uh, we're kind of fear-based animals constantly scouring the horizon for threats we we focus on the negative um, it's possibly, maybe somebody can explain this better than me, um, but it's possibly why we're drawn to horror movies. Cause it's like, you know, we, there's a weird thrill in experiencing the, the, uh, the routine of feeling threatened, but still walking out of the cinema unscathed. Um, you know, that's, that's why horror movies generally are quite popular. They would not be popular at all if, you know, the girl in, um, the ring, With the wet black hair over her face, crawled out of the television um, and just made everyone a cuppa, and then just crawled back in the TV. It's like, sorry, you looked cold, so I thought I might make you a cup of tea. Don't know why the Japanese girl has a Yorkshire accent, but you know that would the reviews for that would be terrible. It's like this is it was a four-minute movie. She crawled out of her television, bones creaking and joints pointing the wrong way like some sort of human crab, uh, and then made everyone a yummy hot beverage and fucked off. One star, you know, we're drawn to the negative, and while that might have served us, you know, back in back in the old days, so the old days, as if I'm talking about like the 1950s, that, that would have served us hundreds of thousands of years ago when we're on some plane uh, where, you know, if something moves on the horizon, it could be a lion or something that's about to, fucking nibble your bum, but that same fascination with the negative doesn't really serve us very well when the threat is when it isn't even a threat. It's just the news telling us that you know someone died or there was some hostage situation somewhere really far away you know being a bit like telling a, a caveman or something you know uh, did do you know there are there are polar bears in the Arctic that can rip out your jugular? like, so, yeah great but I'm I'm uh, we're in the Savannah so why the fuck would you tell me that it's just not important So yeah to me that the fact that the news even exists um isn't I mean I I I don't take it for granted that the news should even exist at all it's it's weirdly entitled <laughs> this thing that we've allowed into our lives and uh, to me, it's just funny. It's just funny that it's it's basically the cornerstone of, um, well, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's the cornerstone of all cultural, like, or interpersonal, like, capital. Like, it's, it's what you talk about at work. Oh, have you read this? Like, did you see the thing this morning? Have you read the latest stats? But the majority of how we relate to people, especially during um, the pandemic, um, is based on this totally arbitrary thing that we've just allowed to set up shop in our homes and and now of course with the you know the ubiquity of smartphones that like we just we now carry the the news around in our pockets i mean if, if if i asked you you know do you want to carry around a usb stick that's just filled with footage and mp3s of like human screams and torture Um, Just keep it in your pocket so you've always got it to hand. You'd look at me like I was a mad person, and yet, you know, we're carrying our smartphones around all the time. Often we even have notifications set up. I I can't get rid of someone. I get updates on my watch about, on my Apple Watch, about deaths in countries that I don't even live in. So, you know, 500, you know, 20 more deaths in the UK from COVID. It's like, I'm not even there. Um, and how you know it, it's not good for your brain, and we'll we'll get into that as well. But you know, for some reason, that is is regarded as I don't, somehow normal in this like news obsessed, tech riddled <laughs> lifestyle we have for ourselves now. You know, I mean, having an Apple Watch that tells you every time someone's dead is like you know, it's hard to think of a worse <laughs> a worse accoutrement. To put on yourself, do you want a pair of slippers that tells you every time a porpoise has been harpooned? No, why would I want a pair of slippers that do that, be miserable all the time? And yet here we are. So the the news as a concept is just a very, very amusing thing to me, the fact that it even exists, but also the the fact that it is so arbitrarily attached to the negative, um, just because that seems to be what we have a thirst for. I mean, we all have a thirst for McDonald's as well, but that doesn't mean we should make that, you know, the nutritional basis of our existence. Um, the fact that satire chooses to so closely focus on the news. I mean, when the news is, as we'll discover, so bad for us, um, I think the the fact that why satire even uses the news as its, you know, source of material is, isn't a given. Um, I mean, I can very easily imagine another universe in all the multiverses uh, where, you know, satirists satirists deliberately spurn the news because they're aware of just uh, the awful impact it has on us collectively. But this is a podcast about ego. Um, so as, as random as I find the mere existence of the news at all, um, it does exist. Um, it's a dominant uh, cultural touchpoint in our daily lives. Um, so let's start talking about it. The first way the news, uh, it's not the first way, it's just the first one I've chosen to talk about, but the, the the first way, the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that the news does uh, encourage you to kind of draw into yourself. Now before we even get into the actual content of the news, which we've just touched on a little a little bit, it is predominantly negative. Um, but just the actual the format. The tropes, the, the manner in which the news is communicated, even before anyone's sort of uttered a single word, um, is designed uh, perhaps not on purpose, perhaps it's just what we've evolved to watch the most. And so that's what executive producers have chosen to go with. Yeah, yeah they like it when we do that thing, so let's do more of that. Um, a bit of a chicken and egg. But it's just that even the format itself is, is terrifying, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, just try and think of the intro music to the news. Think about how the news brings itself into your living room or onto your phone. Um, it's an aural assault. It's just bum, bum, bum. Dun dun dun, 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 bum, 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 bum. Like that is not, that's not music that you use to tell someone that scientists have discovered a pony that when you stroke it, your loved ones come back from the dead. Like <laughs> that's not. Good evening and welcome to the six o'clock news. Scientists have found a gorgeous little resurrection pony. It's just you know you you know you're in for some bad some some bad stuffs coming your way when you hear that music first off. So even before anyone said anything, um, you you already terrified you um you wouldn't come down the aisle to that music you know you wouldn't do a birth reveal uh sorry a gender reveal party with that music if you know if you walked into a staff meeting or just a meeting with your boss and he swiveled around on a chair and played that music you know you're getting fired it's it's not as soon as you hear that music playing you just like oh no the news is bad again they're playing the bad music yeah surprise they play the bad music every time the news is always bad you know, I mean, the BBC music, that doop 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 sounds like the heart rate monitor for society. And you know that they're about to... It's going to flatline. You know, it sounds like you're listening to a robot having a heart attack. Like, it sounds like a panic attack in musical form. It is not... And again, because 99.99% of the Earth is covered in wonderful things happening... The fact that they've chosen that music tells you everything, <laughs> and the fact it it tells you that what you know the things you're about to learn. It's like oh, I was hoping for the good news today. Boop, doom, boom, 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 boom. Oh no, society's still having a a mass panic attack. Okay, great. Then there's just the actual way the news readers talk to you, which again sort of picks up from where the music leaves off. They, they, you know, again, that they're not here to tell you something wonderful. It always starts with the same, good evening and welcome to the six o'clock news. You know, you're immediately thinking, shit, he knows something. Oh, God. You know, you don't rock up to like a dinner party or, you know, your friend's house to dinner with your friends. Come through the front door. Good evening. (laughs) I've come to enjoy dinner. Good evening. It's like, oh, God, I think John's going to murder everyone. It's just you, you, you. Absolutely, feel in your bones that that person's not hitting. Nothing good is going to come out of that person's mouth. You know, like good evening. This just in: everyone on earth just won a fabulous prize. There's definitely just bad news coming. And th- why are they saying good evening? They don't even mean it. They don't mean good evening. They sound like they've been summoned there against their will, like some sort of depressed oracle. Good evening. I mean, if they were being honest with themselves, and if the news were honest, they would just start an an, an honest intro to the news would be more, you know. After the music, bum bum dum dum bum, would just be you know something like flee, for I am the harbinger of unspeakable horrors. More on that later. Like that, at least. Now I know what I'm in for. Don't don't tease me with your good evening <laughs> nonsense, as if you're about to tell me anything of the trillions of positive things that happened around the world today. So even before the news presenters said a single word, we know, we know that the, or we can sense um, that the format is designed, it's packaged in such a way uh, as to get us afraid and and get our kind of, you know, our heart rate jumping. Um, the, The problem with being afraid and the problem with being sort of made to be scared, and again, we haven't even got into the content of the news yet, The problem with being afraid is that or being scared is that you want to obviously protect yourself. And when you're in a state of fear, in a state of um, panic, and you want to protect yourself, well, that means you're having to conceptualize of you as a yourself. You, You immediately cut yourself off from the great sort of, you immediately mentally sort of cut yourself off. the the great tide of um not just humanity but of the just the the experience of the world in general when you're having a good time with friends in the moment you're experiencing that state of flow where you're just really in the moment it's very easy to kind of see yourself and everything around you being part of one giant sort of harmonious process and, and everything sort of existing in tandem as soon as you're scared a a switch is flicked and suddenly you're a singular identity that needs to be protected and suddenly you're conceiving of yourself as an individual. You know, if you're on the beach, um, you're swimming and you're, you know, you're bobbing up and down on the waves and looking at the clouds and the sky and all this sort of stuff and suddenly you see a shark um, or hear the shark siren. Um, You know, the, the siren doesn't make you think, hmm, I wonder what I have in common with everybody. Um, you immediately are just thinking about number one, um, and you're very, very aware of yourself as as a as an individual who can be killed by a very fast thing with lots of teeth. You're not thinking of yourself as one drop in an ocean of energy and experience. You're thinking, "Shit, I'm probably delicious." So, just the format by itself, you know. You, at this point, we're already scared. We're already jacked up on adrenaline. We're already expecting something bad. We're already becoming aware of the the kind of the skin border that exists between us and the rest of the world. We're conceptualing, conceptualizing of ourselves as a as an individual entity. But then you get into the actual content of the news, which again is is disproportionately skewed towards the the negative. When most of what's happening on the planet is either completely unremarkable. Or rather lovely and then the the negative things that the news does tell us are, are told to us without any sense of of kind of inherent perspective i mean you know they're true you know this person died this building collapsed this tree fell on someone's home but then they're, they're not presented to us with with the tools like the, the, the news doesn't also provide you with the tools required to watch the news Like I feel like you need to pass some sort of license or a test before you can watch it without it completely making you you an anxious neurotic mess. But it doesn't present you with uh, the tools alongside the information. It just provides you with the information. And and one of the tools we need is a sense of perspective. There's this nice quote from Alain de Botton um, in his book, The News, um, which I read almost was it eight years ago, but um, he's, he's got a nice bit here. It says, applied to the news, having perspective involves an ability to compare an apparently traumatic event in the present with the experiences of humanity across the whole of its history in order to work out what level of attention and fear it should fairly demand. With perspective in mind, we soon realize that contrary to what the news suggests, hardly anything is totally novel Few things are truly amazing and very little is absolutely terrible. You know, we've seen this a lot with um, with the pandemic where, you know, we, we provided new case numbers uh, daily and those are, they're just numbers. We're not told how to interpret those numbers or how serious those numbers are. And also in, in terms of, you know, what, what outcome is that supposed to affect In me and my personal behavior, if if there are 20,000 cases a day, um, I'm going to go out and and be careful. I'll, you know, I'll try and socially distance and I'll wear a mask indoors and I'll wash my hands uh, after, you know, every so often. Uh, If there are 50,000 cases a day, I'll do exactly the same. Um, So constantly telling us these updated numbers, it doesn't really have a constructive Outcome uh, beyond just giving me something to focus on that makes me scared, it's not going to change my behavior, and it doesn't. It doesn't change the reality that there is a virus out there that most of us would rather not get. Um, you know, it's it's like if if the oven to try to sort of analogize that a little bit. You know, if if my oven is two hundred degrees hot, I am um, not going to put my hand inside it. But if my oven is five hundred degrees hot, I am. <laughs> I'm also not going to put my hand inside it. So what does knowing the temperature difference sort of do constructively beyond, like, I can't put my hand in the oven even less than already not putting it in. (laughs) You know, you can't not do something even more. You know, I feel like when there were 300 cases a day, the news was acting like that's, the worst thing in the world and now that there are 20,000 cases a day it's almost like they they've just i mean they've just run out of superlatives you know when there were 300 to 500 cases a day everyone around me you know on whatsapp threads and you know just text messages be careful there's 500 cases and now there's 30,000 like how they're supposed to up the ante use 200 exclamation marks there becomes a certain point where the information almost becomes kind of not meaningless obviously, but in in the sense of like, what am I supposed to actually meaningfully do with this information, with these facts? Um, if I'm being careful, if I'm vaccinated and I'm being careful, you know, I'm probably, I'm going to get the virus eventually anyway. But um, on top of that, I don't need my day divided up into these, these little chunks of anxious time. So going back to that, that quote by Alain de Botton, you know, the, Where's the perspective and and also to my earlier comment you know the, the news doesn't provide us with the tools to interpret the information alongside the information it just gives us the information but but what am I supposed to do about knowing this thirty thousand cases beyond being scared, and the same with the the you know the the constant updates on you know mortality you know and and deaths I mentioned earlier you know, my my watch still gives me an ABC news wrap-up notification you know my my wrist vibrates you know and i check my watch and i'm just my watch tells me how many people have died today i I don't do i need that information I mean i should just turn that off i just haven't figured out how to do that yet um but i should just turn it off or the news should provide some perspective on that information i mean yes a certain number of people have died from this virus today how many people have died from comparable viruses or you know is is this you know, even though five people have died today, if if fifty thousand people have got it, should isn't that a cause for you know in a weird way you know relief? You know, I, I don't want to dismiss the suffering caused by losing someone to the virus. I say this as someone who's lost a family member to um, to the virus myself, so I'm not be I, I would I would be the last person to be blasé about it, and I've got you know family members and loved ones around me who you know have comorbid disease or you know serious illness so I'm not taking this virus lightly but um you know if 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 information is presented without context and without perspective it's just stimulus all it is is stimulus it's 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 not good for your brain if you if you if we're being told you know five people have died today but that's, you know, dot, 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 but that's actually a good thing. I mean, weirdly, I know it sounds callous to say that, but when you're considering the numbers involved, it seems like the vaccinations are working, death rates are down, um, and so we shouldn't be too perturbed by these updates, and, and maybe these updates shouldn't be getting provided at all. But again, to bring this all back to the obviously the, 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 the constant theme of this podcast, which is ego, these little jabs of fear, information presented without context is pure stimulus. And all it's going to do is scare you, make you afraid, and make you focus on yourself and make you focus on protecting the, the entity that is you that exists uh, behind your skin. Again, it separates you from the rest of the world by giving you stakes, by making you invested in yourself. Through fear when actually the real news is that again we're working together we're struggling through this together you actually have a lot in common with millions of other people who are going through the same thing the world around you is generally positive despite this virus despite global warming there are actually a lot of things to be positive about and most of the planet is covered in in people doing wonderful things for each other so there's no need to be scared there's actually a lot of reasons to be joyful and open and warm and receptive and empathetic and sympathetic, not scared and closed in on yourself and putting up barriers and eyeing your neighbors with suspicion. Do they cough into their elbow at the right angle? There's a lot to be very, very grateful for every single second. Now, of course, that's just the way the news is incidentally fear-mongering. I don't think, you know, when the Guardian or the BBC or the ABC, um puts out these stats that they're doing it you know hoping to make everyone scared they're just reporting the the news but it just happens to be that what the news considers to be the news is is a bit of a broken definition there is of course news that is intentionally fear-mongering and that also obviously makes you draw into yourself and creates a sense of separateness quite very openly um by focusing on things like you know um immigration and stoking fears about others this is obviously a a function of of more conservative media Um, and that that's a very overt attempt to generate separateness you know the narrative around immigrants is oh my god they're gonna come they're gonna steal your jobs and so suddenly again a you're driven into protecting yourself i've got to protect my job (laughs) even even though i hate it (laughs) that's actually one thing conservative press doesn't consider when they're like the the immigrants are here to steal your jobs it's like actually how many of us hate our jobs um so please steal it i'd be more scared if the headline was immigrants are here and they're going to steal your hobbies that would actually (laughs) that would actually be more effective but um yes these these headlines force us to draw into ourselves and worry about ourselves and again you're suddenly thinking about you and the you that exists inside your head um, there's not a lot of opportunity there to to um, see sort of uh, get a sense of interconnectedness with others, um, and obviously there's the the corollary to that, which is not just focusing on yourself, but also rejecting and fearing others. Suddenly, you're not looking for uh, reasons to relate to someone else. You're not looking to empathize. You know, the, often you know when there when there are headlines about you know boats full of you know refugees of fleeing a country which we've probably bombed um they're coming here they're gonna steal your jobs suddenly i mean there was a moment there where i was like oh my gosh they're fleeing war how awful you know you, there's there's a, a moment there where you want to sympathize but then suddenly when you're told that they are here just take something away from you or well, suddenly now you you fear them you're not interested in seeing them as a as a human being as a story you're not interested in exploring the, the circumstances behind why they had to leave in the first place. There's no empathy there. Suddenly you're just very interested in your weird nine to five job. And for some reason that trumps your brain's capacity to feel sorry for someone and to want to help someone. It's interesting, isn't it? That the news and especially conservative press can reliably um, depend on our ego's capacity to, to prioritize ourselves. <clears throat> over empathizing with with others so that when they release these sorts of headlines they know they're going to work uh whereas if ego weren't such a huge part of our lives if we did seek connectedness so at all available opportunities these headlines would actually backfire you know the asylum seekers are coming great i can't wait to meet them can't wait to meet someone who's not me can't wait to meet someone who's different to me or who's who's lived through different things to me. I can't wait to learn from these people. I can't wait to mingle. And again, it's interesting how that works all the way up to the political level, that it's actually a, a practical political strategy to stoke fear that, you know, if you vote for me, I promise. <laughs> it's it's even a promise. If you vote for me, I promise I'm going to lock people up um, on some island somewhere. The fact that politicians can rely on that to work is a, is a pretty astonishing uh, reflection of of how easily we're manipulated into fending for ourselves and being scared of things and not being empathetic i mean i can quite easily imagine a parallel universe where a politician soars to success because they promise the exact opposite and why not like why why is it political suicide to say look i'm gonna bring i'm gonna guarantee that you're all going to see some asylum seekers and I'm going to, it's going to be rather than mandatory offshore detention. It's going to be mandatory onshore mingling. Uh, You're going to meet them. You're going to talk to them. You're going to exchange email addresses and you're going to stay friends forever. And that is absolutely mandatory. Uh, The fact that that, sounds ludicrous coming out of my mouth is also it's it's as depressing as it is ludicrous but you know we we saw this with with Donald Trump you know he promised to build a wall but equally like why why is that what gets us going why does that make us excited and why does that work and why does that appeal i'm going to build a wall okay you're never going to see these people our country's never going to welcome these people in it's you're it's an actual selling point that you've created a physical barrier between two groups of people that Ostensibly have absolutely no difference between them. If you, when you, when you look at the Earth from the perspective of the universe, the difference between a Mexican and someone from the United States is is very little. It's not like you know, oh, Mexicans—they're a silicon-based life form. You know, it's, there's no. <laughs> Everyone on Earth is pretty much identical. I know that's weird and that might sound strange to say, but we're all pretty much exactly the same. And again, why wouldn't Trump succeed? promising the exact opposite I'm gonna build a tunnel okay it's gonna be the biggest tunnel you've ever seen it's gonna be a hyperloop I'm gonna build a hyperloop from Mexico it's gonna pop up in New York City okay there's gonna be more Mexicans in the United States than you've ever seen before you're gonna be meeting them all the time learning about each other's cultures like why why is that stupid to imagine but putting up a wall (laughs) between Two people of the same species. I mean, I can imagine building a wall to keep like dragons out of somewhere, but to stop to stop one set of humans from going over and going over and saying hi to some other humans is pretty weird. Anyway, to wrap up that little bit. So the the news. I mean, we've talked about how just the the, the tropes of the news, the format of the news, is obviously it betrays its um, its intentions. It's very uh, stimulating sensational, exciting. So you're already getting scared. You've got the guy or the woman saying, good evening, which just that is just inherently not true. You're not here to tell me how things are good. There's the lack of perspective, which means the dispersal of information is just kind of pure stimulus, which makes you afraid and again, makes you burrow into yourself. And then there's the more overt attempts to get us afraid, uh, where that is actually a very clear uh, intention of the news, as with a lot of conservative press um, telling us you're going to lose your job, the people are going to take your jobs. Terrorism, being scared of foreigners because they're probably terrorists, even though, you know, I think white nationalist terrorism has, has, has far outstripped anything in the past so decade. And of course, as we discussed with like the, you know, the case numbers and death uh, rates and the focus on those, obviously like more, I guess you would say left wing, publications are quite scaremongery as well, but that's, that's more scaremongery because of the, 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 the way the news works. Um, again, it, was, it comes back to that thing about perspective. Um, we talked about, yeah, the, the, the daily updates on death rates without saying dot, dot, dot. And actually that things could be much worse. A smiley face emoticon, you know, that, that's not out of the question. But also um, th- with, say, global warming, we've been reading about global warming for decades now. And um, you know, each new headline. Again, it's pure stimulus. Well, the temperatures have risen this much, scientists say we've got this long before everyone's dead. Like I know all this and we all know all this, and everyone who believes in climate change already knows all this. So again, where's the why isn't it built into the news that it also needs to be constructive, not just informative on a on an ephemeral sort of very sort of short term timescale i i could quite easily imagine you know the the guardian and the abc and the bbc just having some sort of agreement you know they come out on a monday and say look we've all told you climate change exists we all know climate change exists so as of uh, today or as of midnight we're going to stop telling you micro updates about you know the temperatures risen this much this ice shelf has just collapsed etc what's news right now is telling you what you can do, what we can all do. Here's how to turn vegetarian without wanting to punch yourself in the throat. Um, here's, you know, here's how to set up a worm farm so you don't contribute to uh, methane emissions in landfill. Telling you how to do that, or you know, here's how to carpool, or here's how to here's how to block. Uh, Here's how to successfully protest outside the construction of a new coal plant. I mean, if if the Guardian and the BBC and the ABC etc. all know that global warming is bad and they all keep writing articles about, oh, this new coal-fired power plant's getting opened. It's going to create this much. Okay, we know that. I know. So, but if you actually can, you clearly have an agenda, and I'm quite happy that it does. But can you tell us what to do next? Obviously this would be, um, you know, this is me imagining again, some parallel utopian universe where the news actually func- functions how it should. But, you know, if the Guardian is worried about the uh, construction of a new coal-fired power plant, surely it's newsworthy telling me how to how to stop it, not just that it is happening and some climate scientists have voiced concern we've heard that we've heard this story over and over and over again. And obviously, you know, the ABC and the BBC, they're state funded. So again, it's impossible for them to, and uh, to shift into activism. But again, this is, this isn't really me imploring you or imploring the ABC and the BBC to become activistic publications. It's me imploring you to maybe change your relationship with how much news you read because of how it impacts you as a person. Um, a lot of this information is is relatively useless and um, it is pure stimulus, it makes you afraid and unless it's telling you something constructive that you can do, that makes your life better, that makes you feel better about yourself, that empowers you to do something, then do we need to be reading the news four times a day on our phones? And I would argue if it's simply to tell us that climate scientists are annoyed that this new gas pipeline's being built, I mean, what does that change? Again, an oven that's 200 degrees, I'm not going to put my hand in it. An oven that's 500 degrees, I'm not going to put my hand in it. But you don't need to report each degree increase between 200 and 500 as if that changes anything about my behavior or the world. The response to that still needs to be the same. Don't put your hand in the oven. Global warming is real. Reporting all these, you know, climate scientists are appalled about this and they found some algae growing where it shouldn't and this ice shelf is, and this glacier is melting. You know, these are all equivalents of reporting that one degree of change between 200 and 500. What is the outcome? What is the constructive effect? You want to have that on me and us and everyone. That's the news. That's what we need to know. And again, if the news had any sense of proportionality as per the Ellen de Botton quote, you know, you would present articles about, um, you know, this new gas pipeline alongside half the article would be dedicated to that, but half the article, if, if they're really reporting what's really important, would be how to do something about it. So the news, the news, you know, in terms of climate change, the news is what can I do personally to limit my impact and what can I do to encourage others to do the same and what can we do to affect change on a global or a government or a geopolitical scale. Anyway, all of this is to say that the news um, increases ego, that sense of identity, that sense of self by um, giving you something you want to protect, which is yourself, by constantly making us afraid and for very little constructive outcome. Um, So that's that's the kind of main takeaway of that first whole chunk. Now, another way that the news can divide us and drive us into almost like separate realities and, and really make it very hard to see what we have in common with each other and empathize with each other is just, this is partly the fault of, um, I guess, social media and the internet, which we might cover in another, in another episode. But um, it's the sheer kind of the, the, the fracturing of reality as presented by all these different news sources. By that, I mean it's extremely easy for some news event to happen, like, you know, climate change or the pandemic, or, you know, just name anything, Brexit, the, uh, the US, you know, the election in 2016, the election in 2020. It's very easy for these real-world events to happen, but by the time they've filtered through the news and then the blogosphere and people's takes on that and people's, you know... Um, conspiratorial takes on that it's it's possible for two people who have you know live in the same country um ostensibly you know extremely similar same class um same wealth same upbringing but due to you know the the different things they've clicked on they end up coming away from that same event with two completely different versions of reality that they live in but then even worse and again this is the fault of social media because we buy into these perceptions of reality we closely identify them with them we um we start to defend them quite vociferously and because these these interpretations of reality get tied to our identity anything that confronts that interpretation of reality seems like a an affront on us as a, as a person. You know, I, I can't think of any other medium that splits us up into sort of reality enclaves. <laughs> you know, like, like art doesn't do that. Like you, can, you can have different opinions about art or, you know, you can have different favorite bands, but at least you agree the bands f- exist in the, in the first place. You know, you, you can't take two people to the same concert or to see an orchestra and and one person to walk out and say yeah i thought the cellist was amazing and for the other person to say there wasn't what do you mean a cellist? there wasn't a cellist there they were all holding marine they were all holding aquatic mammals So, like, okay i think i think our two interpretations of the event we just went to a, are as wildly different as possible the problem with this in terms of ego is that the news becomes not just a source of information it becomes a source of um affirmation and by that i mean affirming you as a a person and by you as a person it's it's who you start identifying as a certain set of beliefs so you know you, you, you you know you don't scour the news for information now i mean obviously a lot of people do but some people scour the news for proof that they're right. You know, so you can say, you see, I'm right. You know, we become invested in certain news stories and certain perspectives and angered by others that don't fit our interpretation. So suddenly the news actually becomes this massive ego-affirming exercise. Um, and so we've got this terrible situation now where the news is, is dividing us because, you know, I, I and the person on the other side of the table apparently live in two completely different realities. And it calcifies ego because you, you come not to just to read about events, but I, you, you come to identify as someone who believes those events. It becomes an identity, um, I would say. For some people, um, their, inter- their attachment to their interpretation of the news is akin to a football fan's attachment to their team. So the news just becomes this opportunity to further embrace, define, and fill in the details of um this this illusion of an individual you know you, you see in the in the pandemic obviously the, the clearest distinction there is between you know anti-vaxxers and you know people who are proudly taking photographs of themselves getting vaccinated i mean just you know i think i, I did this actually i I did put a post on instagram so i am a hypocrite but you know there's people just taking photographs of their arms so suddenly it just becomes this affirming experience that you identify as someone who's been vaccinated just we should just be able to go out and get vaccinated and that just becomes just a thing you did today like opening the fridge but apparently it's this this you know this divisive issue and then even you know within categories that you think ought to be on the same side you know you've got people who are getting vaccinated with pfizer and uh, people going, oh, I didn't wait for Pfizer. I wasn't a coward. I went and got AstraZeneca. And so even within people who are pro-vaccine, <laughs> again, because of the news, because of the stats, because of this, like, being over-furnished with information, you suddenly fall into these weird camps that, yeah, I'm I'm an AstraZeneca. I'm <laughs> I got my AZ. I'm not scared. If you're holding out for Pfizer just because of you some stories you've read that you ought to be ashamed of yourself, Jesus fucking Christ you know I feel like an angel could descend from the firmament you know and announce that they're going to cure illness for all and give free money to everyone and yet that would still somehow necessitate the, the creation of two rival camps on Twitter and you know come Christmas time there would be family members you couldn't talk to around the around Christmas dinner because you've you've fallen into two completely different rival camps about this objectively great event. You know, a child could hold up a photograph of a pigeon and the world would still somehow find a way to descend into like different camps as to what the photograph is. It just seems, you know, as well-intentioned as the news may or may not be. If it is well-intentioned, it's just become clay to be molded into arguments so this is now sort of two ways that we've discussed that the news is impacting ego one is by driving up fear which makes you want to protect something which makes you aware of yourself because that's the thing you want to protect so suddenly your identity your your existence as an individual becomes much more sort of prominent in your own head and the second way and the second way is in making us really attached and invested into the in the things that we think and using the news as a way of uh, demonstrating our identity, like almost like peacock feathers. Um, and the news just, yeah, the news tops up the well of ego. Put another way, it definitely doesn't make us more selfless, more calm, and more in touch with other people's feelings. Let's, let's just put it that way. Moving on now. So there's there's something else I wanted to discuss about the news, which isn't necessarily tied to ego per se, but it is... it is it ego and uh the fact that we're talking about it and the fact that we eventually this podcast is going to be talking about ways to kind of confront it and dispel it and all these sorts of things where this is obviously a podcast that has its foot or at least one foot um maybe not firmly planted but um delicately um placed in um eastern spiritual philosophy and, and so there's another aspect to the news that i want to discuss and it's so it's not about ego but it is still in the it's in this general sphere of you know um, trying to be a better person spiritually, and that that issue with the news uh, could be said to be what some people might call karma. Um, now, this I'm drawing on a book here that I read by um, a chap called Rutger Bregman, who you might remember. He, he was, I think he sort of went viral for laying into billionaires at um, Davos uh, a few years ago he wrote a book called Humankind. And the, the central thesis of that book, if I can try and sum it up as fast as I can, is that uh, the news, well, the news is bad for us. Uh, the reason it's bad for us, uh, one of the ways it's bad for us is that it generates something called the nocebo effect. And the nocebo effect is what you might expect. Uh, the placebo effect is where, because you believe something is good or because you believe something's gonna work or it's positive, has a positive impact the nocebo effect is because you believe something negative or you have a negative uh, perception of something that generates a negative outcome so with the news because we're constantly ingesting this this negative image of humanity that subconsciously will affect how we treat uh, other people and it will affect our daily interactions maybe not in a very overt way but it will be a really, really um, sort of very subconscious, razor-thin filter over our entire interaction with, with reality. And the, the really interesting example he gives is of, a, um, is of a lab experiment where lab assistants were asked to place rats in a maze. And the, the lab assistants were told that there were two groups of rats um group a are genius rats and group uh, i don't know what that actually means what you would think if somebody told you these rats are geniuses by the way that's a bit of a interesting <laughs> they can play the sitar um, but anyway they were told that one group one group of rats were genius rats the other group of rats were uh below average sort of not great not very impressive rats um i don't know if a rat has ever managed to impress you but if such a rat exists, these rats were not those. These are the non-impressive rats. Anyway, the lab assistants were asked to place the rats in a maze, and uh, they did so. And amazingly, or not surprisingly, the genius rats uh, completed the maze uh, quickly, or more quickly, or more successfully. And the uh, sub-par rats, the average rats, didn't do so well solving the maze. The big twist is actually that both groups of rats were identical they were not uh they didn't have different levels of intelligence uh they were actually the same but simply by telling the lab assistants that those rats over there are great and those rats over there are not so great that subconsciously changed how the lab assistants treated those rats when they were putting them in the maze so the genius rats maybe they put them down in a gentle fashion maybe gave them a pat on the back and whispered some encouraging words but they treated them positively and the not so great rats they they you know they put them down like Oof. maybe they dropped them a little bit or just didn't give them that much attention the difference in that treatment meant that the you know the genius rats were very calm their you know their hormones their body chemicals and such um they weren't in a state of like flight or fight fight or flight um and so they were able to concentrate better and the other rats because they were treated a bit worse uh were possibly a bit stressed out and didn't perform so well so you've got a very clear um example here of how simply how you perceive someone uh even if you consciously don't want that to affect how you treat them it's gonna creep out of you somehow it's gonna it's gonna affect how you treat people um and that in turn affects those people. That'll affect how they go about their day. So if, which is very easy to understand. I mean, I'm, I'm always uh, surprised when people think karma is some sort of uh, spiritual idea. It's actually extremely common sense and scientific. If I if I go out in the world and treat everyone around me really nicely, um, that's probably going to improve their day. And if it improves their day, they're probably going to go out and treat people Slightly better than they would have had they not met me, um, or better than had I, you know, had they met me and I was in a shit mood and I treated them grumpily and I was short with them or somehow talked to them in a in a grumpy tone, um, and they will go out and then affect more people and more people, and of course eventually, it's not that hard to believe that you know if it's in a circle of friends or something like that, that cycle that domino effect. Might in turn come back uh to me, so the energy you put out there um it 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 does it causes ripples you know it's it's it doesn't have you don't have no effect on people when you meet them, but you know that that essentially is karma you know how you treat people the energy you put out in the world um affects the world affects the the state of affects the state of the world um now bringing that back to the news, obviously if you're just digesting negative story, tragedy, death, all these sorts of things, you know, corruption, theft, murder, um all these sorts of horrible things, you know, pedo, you know, Epstein stuff, um billionaires on planes on <laughs> child planes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um if you're reading all that sort of stuff, that's not you're not going to, you know, if that's the first thing you check in the morning on your phone. Oh great, there are paedophiles flying around everywhere. <laughs> great. Um, that is gonna affect, you know, the mindset with which you leave your front door. Unavoidably. Like that is absolutely guaranteed gonna change how you perceive the world. And so now, you know, you're not um now you're not at a queue in a cafe just queuing for your coffee in a neutral way. You're standing there queuing for that coffee as a person who has just acknowledged the existence of uh, of elite pedophiles that's going to put that's going to be a downer on your day and that is going to be a razor thin filter over your brain through which you perceive all the events you know going about your day in short digesting all this negative information will affect your belief about people And therefore will affect how you treat people in a negative way. And that will then negatively affect uh, their capacity to go about their day in a successful, focused, calm way. And if we're all and, you know, that was that was just lab assistants and a group, two groups of rats in uh, in one occasion. Imagine, you know, six billion people or however many people watch the news every day or. Just digesting nothing but negative information. I mean, at least in the lab experiment, they were told fifty percent of them were geniuses. We're not even told that. In our in our experiment, all of the rats, we're told are fucking stupid and evil, and murderers and sexual sexually violent predators. You know, that's we're told that by the news repeatedly. So there's not not even a good group. So imagine. You know, take that lab experiment, multiply it by the entirety of humanity and multiply it by all of those hundreds of millions of billions of people reading nothing but negative things and hearing the worst about the world, which, again, as we've talked about, is not proportional to reality. That's not actually what the earth is. So now you've got all these people. In, imagine what that's doing to their behavior, to each other. Because, again, this experiment isn't just lab assistants' behavior towards the rats. In In our world, the rats have read the news as well. Everybody's read it. There's no lab assist. There's no two different classes of people. Everybody's ingesting this information all the time, and we're all treating each other um, through the prism of our lack of faith in humanity and the general um, negative mindset. Even if we don't perceive it, trust me, it's there. The negative mindset that's created by taking on board all this information as increasingly um in in increasingly more frequent doses that cannot be good the karmic effect of all of that negative energy which isn't even again it's not even presented in proportion you know x number of people die today dot 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 which is actually a lot better than it would have been 200 years ago like there's reasons to be optimistic about this um All of this negative information that doesn't even need to be negative. All this negative information that's not reality. All this negative information that does not correspond to reality in general. We're all ingesting that. And that is having a definite impact on how we go about treating each other. It's unavoidable. And again, it's totally arbitrary. Again, there's absolutely no reason why the news... Shouldn't be just a nice chap behind a desk. Maybe he's not even behind a desk. Maybe they're on a couch or just the camera catches them thumbing through some books in a library and they just turn to the camera and say, oh, hi there, and um, welcome to the news. Gosh, lovely to have you here. Um, look, we're all doing really, we, everyone's just doing a great job, okay? Your top marks today, another great day on earth. Well done, we all nailed it. We all did a couple of nice things. We all pushed through uh, that moment where we thought we were gonna lose it. And then we took a breath and uh, managed not to shout at the person. Uh, 160 million people today gave money to charity. That's lovely. Um, doctors discovered some great things. Some fine helped cats. Uh, and 2,000 <laughs> metric tons of sugar was lent between neighbors so you know i'm giving today a b double plus that was a terrific day now here's the weather there's no reason why that that shouldn't be the news just as much as good evening the more afraid you become the more impossibly strong i grow but first you know there's no reason why that that is the default and why that's what's become the cultural cornerstone of 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 just how we relate to each other and it's what we discuss around the, the water cooler. Hey, hey, did you watch The Talking Demon last night? Oh my gosh. Such interesting statistics he presented without context. Oh my goodness. And finally, the the final way I suppose, at least for me, I find the news to be a negative influence on my life is just the fact that it taps you on the shoulder and takes you out of the present moment um and i know that's a possibly an unfair accusation to lay solely at the feet of the news there are lots of ways we can get distracted but as as mentioned earlier on on in this episode you know the news does seem to be the dominant um you know cultural cornerstone of of you know how we choose to relate to each other it's 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 what we, well, certainly currently, it's what we're all messaging each other about on WhatsApp. It's like, hey, did you see the case numbers and blah, and oh, the new variant, blah, 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 blah. Um, It's what we're always talking about. It's what we're tweeting about. It's, you know, as soon as a new day starts, everyone's checking the headlines to see if they can make jokes about Scott Morrison or Joe Biden or Boris Johnson. So it is freak So its capacity to distract us and take us out of the moment, I would say is, is the worst of all mediums more so than art, music, computer games, movies. And the problem with that is I I suppose it relates to ego a little bit, but it it is just more broadly a spiritual thing that, you know, being in the present moment is such a luxury, especially these days with, you know, phones in our pockets and stuff like that. But, being in the present moment is it's it's extremely important because if if you achieve what's called the state of of flow which is that which is that moment that process where you're doing something and you almost your perception of yourself almost fades away and you just become kind of one with the process you know you you're uh, rowing in a kayak and just you, the kayak and the water just become one thing. You know, you're dancing with friends at a gig. You're listening to a funny story your friend's telling you at the pub, and suddenly the ambience of the pub and your friend and just your friends' faces and their smiles all just becomes one uh just becomes one enormous like macro moment where you can't actually distinguish any of the individual moving parts. it's just it's just all existing it's all real it's all happening and none of it is separate um and it's in those moments where you achieve a state of flow um athletes you know achieve this all the say they achieve this all the time um where you're again your ego sort of dissipates because you're not focused on yourself you're just focused on the that magical feeling of just being utterly utterly present um i get it from you know meditating all the time um and I usually the first 10 minutes are an absolute shit show. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about meditation in, in later episodes. But, you know, you get into a, a really beautiful state where you kind of don't perceive any difference between you and that tree over there. You're just both happening and you're both in the universe. And that's just a really lovely feeling. And you all those little buzzy thoughts in your head. And what about me? And all those concerns and neuroses and oh, shit, my gas bill, you know, um, they all just go away. The problem with um, the news, especially when combined with technology and social media, which, um, yeah, we'll talk about another time, um, is that it, it now commands our attention multiple times a day and the, the shelf life of information is so short now. I mean, it used to be that, you know, you could get away with reading a newspaper once a week um, and you'd still be just as across all the most important things you need to know as anyone else uh you know as anyone reading the newspaper five times a week um the problem is now it seems like unless you've refreshed you know a news feed or the, you know twitter within the last 25 minutes you're already behind if you combine that with the f- with everything else we've talked about in this episode you know the f- it be it would be all right if something positive were dragging you out of the present moment you know and preventing you from achieving you know flow states and 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 that sensation where you and everything around you are sort of just become one massive thing but it's the fact that, you know it's the news that's dragging us out of that i mean how tragic is that that we're you know instead of just looking at the tree or standing in that queue and being bored like being bored is such an important skill and i think we're forgetting that but you know instead of waiting for that coffee looking at the customers in front of you wondering you know who they are about their lives, looking at the barista, making the coffee, looking at the steam rising, just enjoying being there. Um, At least if something positive were dragging you out of that, that would be okay. But it's the news. It's, it's, you know, you're getting a buzz on your phone or a tap on the wrist to remind you that some tennis player hasn't been let into the country because they've refused to get vaccinated. I mean, <laughs> So I'm recording this on the sixth of January, and um, you know the, that Djokovic story. You know, twenty years ago would have been one article at the end of the week. It's like, oh, first he, you know, he was provided an exemption. Then he, the visa didn't work, and then he got kicked out of the country, and all this sort of stuff. Here, in, in the present day, that's that was like twenty-five incremental news stories, and we just don't need it you don't need it. what's the end result he's got kicked out of the country fine like tell me tell me the story when the story's finished not in 35 micro chapters as it's happening you know i mean the lord of the rings is like a thousand pages long you know all three books if it was written if it were written today it would be 20 fucking million pages long now bilbo's arriving at his own birthday party what do you think about the birthday party what do you think about the decorations We speak to the person behind the decorations. Whoops, turns out the person behind Bilbo's birthday decorations has voiced some problematic views in the past. Ooh, Bilbo's getting up about to give his speech. What do you think his speech is going to be about? Here's a poll you can answer. We'll be giving the results of that poll before he actually starts his speech, when you would have found out the answer anyway. You know, if The Lord of the Rings were broken down into as many micro-snippets and micro-events as real life, it would take 25 years before you got to the page where fucking Tom Bombadil starts singing about a tree. (laughs) Or whatever he does. It's been a long time since I read Lord of the Rings. I assume someone sings about a tree at some point. There's actually a really good book on this uh, by a chap called Daniel Borstin who wrote a book in the 60s called um, The Image. Um, it's got a longer title than that. It's The, the Image, A Guide to Pseudo-Events in America. And um, he predicted a long, I mean, you know, 60s. So this is what um, <laughs> I was going to say 40 years ago, but that, was, that would have got us up to the year 2000. Jesus Christ, we're all heading heading towards our own we're heading towards the void faster than I I anticipated um it's it was 60 years ago now Jesus Christ um he wrote it in the 60s but yeah he predicted he's he saw you know he said that the news would end up becoming just lots and lots of non-events and commentary on the news and news about the commentary on the news and reactions to that news um and about events that are of no particular um importance they just have the appearance of being news again that ties into Alain de Botton's book about uh quote about proportionality and you know these things are happening but are they I mean they're just events that doesn't necessarily mean they're news but of course perhaps what he didn't see what Daniel Fauston couldn't have predicted is how those non-events themselves get broken down into um sort of infinitesimal non-events um like with the Djokovic story that happened today they had about six updates before the story concluded and so well you know 20 years ago that would have been a oh you know one the the whole story would have been reported in the evening rather than every step along the way so these sort of yeah these non-important events are getting broken down and um, going back to the sort of the spiritual side of this and the the spiritual fallout of that is that the news has ever more opportunities to snap us out of the present moment, which is far more important. You know, it's really it's it, you know it's really hard to enjoy you know a concert if you know somebody's playing incredible music and you know somebody keeps tapping on on the shoulder. Hey, did you know that someone in Wisconsin just died? You were not in Wisconsin. What why are you telling me this? And now I'm not focusing on the music. I was enjoying that twenty seconds ago. Sorry, sorry, I'll leave you alone. So sorry to bother you again. Um I just thought you might want to know that a really old person just died from a rather bad disease um in um in Canada yeah thanks i am in the grand scheme of things didn't need to know that right now um so yeah just gonna listen to the music thanks do you know what i mean like they're just these micro dose drip feed news events just they're an obstacle they're an obstacle to living your life in the present unfortunately especially combined with devices that are on our person at all times so to sum up then, the news creates, what are the steps we've been through in this episode? It creates fear, um, first off, just simply through its aesthetics. Um, it creates separateness through that fear. Um, that fear can either be uh, through one of three ways. One, the aesthetics, as we've discussed. Two, the content by... Especially in conservative press, making you specifically afraid of certain groups of people, and making us put up uh, mental uh, walls and uh, barriers that further reinforce ego, because you start protecting yourself as a and perceiving yourself as an individual entity that needs protecting. It creates uh, separateness through incidental fear. So, statistics preve- uh, presented without context, statistics and information presented with. Uh, devoid of proportionality um and also um a lack of of counterbalance a lack of positive news about how we're all very similar about how today was a great day about um, how millions and millions of people did kind things today um so there's three ways that that um that we're having uh, separateness created there and individuality and ego created um there's the nocebo effect creating bad karma and and sorry, there's the fourth way of separateness uh and bolstering ego, which is by the news becoming this sort of um standard, this flag that we hold up to represent our beliefs and the fact that uh real-world events can seemingly split humanity into these warring camps because you know one half has read certain sources of news and another half has read completely different um set of sources. Um, and that's increasingly more so the case again with the internet where you know sources can be something as as arbitrary as a person typing at their computer on a blog Um, so it's it's extremely hard for any of us to come together uh, and fight something together or fight a common threat uh, together you know that that used to be a maxim uh, back in the day you know that we had to there's that phrase, you know, put aside our differences to fight a common enemy. Well, we can't even decide who the common enemy is anymore. And increasingly, the enemy is each other for precisely for having these different perceptions of uh, real world events. We're, we're at each other's throats um, over common events rather than <laughs> uniting to fight common events. It's, it's almost the exact opposite of what we need to be happening and then finally there's so we had the nocebo effect as well so that was sort of you know the karma side of things moving more into like the the spiritual fallout of the news and then the distraction element constantly being taken out of the present moment which again does in a way tie back to ego because it's in those moments when you experience flow and um, really being present that you you know perception that your awareness of yourself kind of just disappears and you 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 know your individuality kind of dissolves away and you're just there which um, you know, if there's obviously that uh, tone, sort of iconic, uh, monolithic um, impact that Ram Dass's book "Be Here Now" had on on um, psychedelic and spiritual culture. Which, but even even that is just a phrase is just ex- so important to be here now because that's that is when ego um, really really takes a backseat rather than being the driving force of everything in our lives but again the news takes us out of that state of of flow and of being present to remind us of something we didn't need to be reminded of so it's it's a double loss uh we we get taken out of the present moment and we get taken out of it so that we, we can have our attention drawn to a murder that happened really far away um you know it's it's not um as callous as that sounds and as dismissive as that sounds that's that's not what we, how we need to be spending our time um, as people, especially during a pandemic when we're already under a lot of stress. Um, we don't need to be taken out of the present moment to worry about, well, there were 20,000 cases yesterday, there are 25,000 today. Great, well, what are you going to do differently? Act 5,000 cases more careful today? Just be careful and put your phone down. And I'm sure... No, essentially, nothing is going to happen in 24 hours that if you miss the news about it, you're somehow gonna be left behind. I would be amazed if there was a situation where, because you fail to read the news every 15 minutes, um, that you somehow get catastrophically left behind out of something, you know, like, oh, you know, you read the news at eight o'clock and then you go, look, I'm not gonna read the news till bloody 3 p.m. this afternoon. And in the intervening time, aliens come along and invade the Earth, and their whole religion is based on putting your hand in the air. And they announce at eight thirty, "Look, if you don't put your right hand in the air, you'll be vaporated. You'll be you'll be taken as a slave." And then at twelve o'clock, you get beamed up. At fucking hell! Now I'm in a. I should have read the news. Now, now I'm in some alien splorge mine some off-world planet planetoid fucking mine with a chisel and a pickaxe mining splorge whatever that is they seem to love the stuff um because i didn't put my right hand in there if only i'd read the news i <laughs> would have been that i could have avoided i could have avoided being enslaved by an off-world race um you know that's you can afford to read the news once every five days, and it's, you'll still be absolutely fine. Anyway, that's you know that's three or four ways that the news kind of bolsters or tops up ego. Um, it also affects karma, um, or just I mean, or if you want to think of it in a non with a less wanky term, if that bothers you, um, it, it just it just affects human behavior and how we re, uh, relate and react to each other. And it takes us out of the present moment. So there's sort of four or five negative effects, um, which just to briefly tie this back to episode one, not that that's important, you don't need to have listened to episode one, but given all these sort of deep flaws in just the news as a concept in of itself, um, the fact that satire chooses the news, chooses to have this sort of symbiotic or dependent relationship on the news to me is, is baffling. Um, you know, I can easily imagine a world where satire, uh, deliberately spurns the news simply because it has this capacity to, yeah, generate these sort of, these pathologies and human behaviour. It's, it's not something that warrants our constant and sort of myopic focus. Um, and so, you know, often people say, well, that, you know, satire helps People process the news or understand the news and keep across the news. It's like, well, why is that a good thing? Why is it a good thing to be constantly across everything that's happening everywhere? It certainly doesn't seem to be much uh, literature in, in psychology or, um, or psychiatry or, or whatever that points to that having a positive impact on on anyone. I don't think there's a single recorded case of anyone's life improving or anyone's mental health improving because they were across the news. Um, so if satire is like the spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down, um, I'm, I'm afraid it's not medicine. <laughs> it's not medicine that's going down. It's a spoonful of sugar that helps the <laughs> the um, the mental illness go down. Really, um, and again, this isn't necessarily the news's fault. It's just how we. It's our relationship with it. You know, it's like our relationship with food. Um, You know, a beef, a hamburger once in a while is a pretty good thing. Having a thousand hamburgers a day (laughs) and having apps to remind you to eat hamburgers is probably not such a good thing. Um, The news, uh, you know, if you catch up with it once a week, that's great. Um, Which brings me to, you know, the the end of this, which is, you know, what are some solutions to uh, the news, our relationship to it, and the way it impacts us? Well, I mean, the most obvious one is to avoid reading it as often as we do. Um, turn off all your notifications. Um, I would probably delete any news apps you have on your phone because the likelihood is um, if they're there, you know, if you check into Facebook, then once your thumb is near the phone, it's like, well, wow, while I'm here, I may as well uh, check in on that. Um, don't. You don't, you don't need to. Um, if you're going to check the news, I would, I mean, I would borrow from... you know, an earlier paradigm in terms of how we related to it, which was, you know, I, I used to, um, when I was at university on a Saturday or Sunday, I would go to the, you know, the, the university shop where you got discounted student newspapers and I would buy, um, I would buy the, the, the big weekend paper. And I would use that to catch up on everything that's happened, uh, the week before. Um, which you know again that process because they because they've got limited print space they can only provide you with the bits that are important or at least more important um so the Djokovic story for example um the whole story would be recounted there for you to consume in one go rather than constantly rechecking your phone to say well where is he now has he still been kicked out of australia Has has you know has his home country appealed what's going on the whole thing would be summed up. You could digest it and move on. Um, and I would, I would go back to that model. I would pick, you know, two hours on a Sunday or whenever um, and log into the websites. And if, if you've got a paid subscription, rather than, yeah, constantly refreshing your apps or whatever, I would check into the website on a Saturday or Sunday and consume an hour's worth of news and then move on. In terms of the news, um, the impact of the news on how we perceive people and humanity in general, I think that's a bit trickier because um, I think that's, that's actually a practice we need to evolve, which is that if you spend a lot of time reading the news because maybe that's, you know, you have to for your job um, or if you're just, you know, sort of addicted or you just, you know, check, it, check in on the news more often than you should if you're finding yourself doing it, you know, two or three times daily just to try and stay across everything. You owe it to um, yourself and uh, your mental health, but also just to um, yeah again not creating that ripple effect of believing the worst in people which I know you might not think you do but again subconsciously it's it's kind of almost impossible to uh, to avoid however much time you're putting into reading the news and finding out the worst about what's going on around the world you should put an equal or um, more time into imagining the best about um people and uh, humanity in general and um that could take many forms that could be avoiding the news and only trying to find positive news stories it could even be uh something as a kind simple as a kind of mantra that you could repeat to yourself so after you've read if you're feeling a bit strung out and stressed after reading too much negative news and you're feeling you can feel that sense of dread in the back of your mind Um, just repeat to yourself, you know, people are generally good. A million good things happened today. All the bad news put together is a single fish poo in an Olympic swimming pool of positivity. We all have something in common. And that might even be a fun exercise. You can repeat positive words to yourself to try and realign your brain so you don't just (laughs) think the worst of humanity and the state of the world in general. Um... You can, you know, make up little headlines in your own head. You know, 400,000 people were helped across the road today. 20,000 pets were rescued by a friendly neighbor. 2,000 metric tons of sugar were lent between neighbors. You know, just make up these little silly headlines in your head because that's, you know, it's as much the news as all the negative stuff. As for encountering people who have, you know, seem to inhabit a completely different reality to you, um, that might be something we talk about in the next episode, which will be social media. But for now, uh, all I'll say is that, you know, try, try to remember that um, sympathizing with or empathizing with the person isn't the same as um, endorsing the opinions they're spouting. And um, while it may be uncomfortable to um, try to think positively about these people, just remember the news and all the ways that it's interpreted and, and digested and then shat out in a information contentipede. Um, It's very possible for very intelligent people to have fallen down a completely different path to you and inhabit a completely different reality to you. And, um, you know, there but for the grace of a few clicks, go I should be the... the um, you know, your prevailing attitude, um, cause these people aren't bad people. They, they don't know the truth, but have decided to believe the opposite just to, just, um, yeah, you know, just, just for kicks. They, they, a lot of these people genuinely believe the things they believe. They're not bad people per se. They just genuinely believe the, well, the wrong thing, quote unquote. And, um, Possibly they're deluded. And really what they deserve is um, pity, not scorn. You know, everyone is a product of the things they've clicked on and the way they've been brought up and the friends they had at school and the the company they keep. Um, And that's, you know, those forces are unavoidable. And um, you're very lucky that you believe the things you believe if you happen to believe the things that are um, true. Um, I feel very lucky to believe the things that I do but I'm not going to or I'm going to try and um, withhold judgment from people who <laughs> seem seem to have got completely the, the wrong end of the stick because again as I said they deserve pity um, not scorn and again this is where ego comes into it because when you're arguing with these people where you encounter these people who've read the wrong news for years and years or they've read a certain you know type of publication and their reality for them is very different to yours um ego comes into it when you start thinking "Well, yeah i could never become them though like you don't you don't see yourself in the other person um but you know but for a few different clicks you very easily could have become them and they and you actually have a lot in common um and it's just you know luck of the draw that they happen to end up clicking on the things they did and being reinforced by the friends they have you know so i guess what i'm trying to say is when you know when the news creates um these different bubbles of reality just remember that it is systems that have created those people the people haven't chosen that for themselves out of some deliberate um attempt to be kind of wantonly troublemaking um and yes, they do deserve um, pity, not, not scorn. And uh, I think empathy will eventually win the day. Anyway, that's uh, everything for episode two. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, comments, etc. cetera. Uh, please get in touch on um, Facebook or Instagram or Patreon. And um, again, notes on this episode, quotes, uh, references, uh, bibliography, those sorts of things will be available on Patreon uh, for supporters, um, as well as a few extra bits and pieces. And um, those, the, the kinds and types of those extra bits and pieces will um, will grow and expand as time goes on. And I get better at doing this faster and faster. Currently, it's taking me about 10 years to make about three minutes of content. <laughs> so um, hopefully as I like get faster at that, um, I'll, I'll be able to make space for other stuff as well. Speaking of supporters, um, shout out to Vanessa Morse, who uh, is my first Patreon subscriber at the tier required for a shout out. Um, Jumping straight in the deep end there, Vanessa, thank you so much. Uh, With only one episode to go by, uh, which hopefully will will be the worst episode of this podcast. I hope episode one is genuinely the worst (laughs) this will ever get that means it'll only get better. But genuinely, thank you so much getting that support so early on um, means a lot and it's, it's a real boost. And I can't wait for more people to get behind this. So thank you so much. People are generally good. A million good things happen today. All the bad news put together is a single fish poo in an Olympic swimming pool of positivity. We all have something in common.